You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Chicago Bears need better offensive line play in 2021. But how much of that is personnel and how much of that is coaching? This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter, at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at LockedOnBears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook, or join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. On the show today, we continue our look back at the 2020 Chicago Bears position groups, moving on to the offensive line, handing out our grade for the starting five, but really it ended up being more like the starting eight with a few other guys sprinkled in there and some backups we may like to forget about. But we'll look at the different dynamics in play this offseason as the Bears look to potentially upgrade the position, but they can't upgrade every position all at the same time. So we'll grade out what we saw this year with, while also kind of expanding on what we've seen in recent years and over the course of some of these players 10 years into Chicago to figure out who should stay and who should go. I see a lot of Bears fans on social media quick to jettison the Bears' offensive tackles. In an ideal world, it sounds like, the Bears would replace both their starting left tackle and starting right tackle. But I think it can be a little bit easy to get over-eager to make change because we want to see change and to start trying to improve a lot of these different positions all at the same time when realistically you just can't rebuild a whole offensive line in one offseason, especially with salary cap space projected to be a little bit more limited than a normal year. But as we look back at 2020, and I think Charles Leno, if we start there at left tackle, he seems to be a, a offensive lineman a lot of Bears fans love to hate. And I just, I don't quite see why. Like, I get that he is not a top five lockdown left tackle in the NFL, but I think from the struggles we saw from him in 2019 to 2020, there was some improvement. You know, it didn't feel like it when the offensive line as a whole was struggling, but he cut down on quite a few of the penalties that had really hurt him in 2019, and I thought he got a little bit more physical in terms of run blocking. I think later in the year, as the entire offensive line started to build that identity in the ground game, he really embraced that and was a little bit more of a people mover at left tackle with some help from Cody Whitehair moving to join him at left guard. I think that combination of the two of them, and we'll get more into Cody Whitehair in a little bit, that combination was really helpful for Charles Leno as well. So I, you know, I think I see him as sort of, for 2020, a B-type minus grade. Like, he got back to what he is, right? Charles Leno is a mostly average starting left tackle. You know, when you compare all the starting left tackles in the NFL, he's going to kind of hang around that middle-of-the-pack mark. We've seen stretches from him where he looks like an above-average left tackle. You know, think back to, like, 2018 in in that season, even 2017 in Mitch Trubisky's rookie season. We saw some of these flashes, and then 2019, he swung down a little bit more in the below-average type range, but he kind of ultimately evens out in that 
you know, if you, if you had to stack up every left tackle, he's in the, what, 14 to 20 type range in terms of rankings, you know, somewhere arbitrarily in there. You know, as much as Bears fans can get frustrated with him, I think a lot of teams would like to upgrade their left tackle to Charles Leno's level. Like, he's he's in that tier of guys where you're not going to find a lot better on the free agent market. You know, rarely do offensive tackles that are noticeably better than Charles Leno truly hit the open market. And if they do, they're the most expensive free agents out there. I mean, the best way to find a better left tackle, the most effective way to is probably through the NFL draft at this point. And it doesn't seem like, certainly financially, it doesn't make a lot of sense to move on from Charles Leno at this point in his contract. And I think the one part of his game that gets a little bit undervalued is just his durability and his reliability. I mean, the guy has played like 6,000 snaps in the last six seasons because year after year after year, he just does not miss games. He has been Mr. Reliable in terms of durability, maybe not every game perfect reliability as as a left tackle, but he gets the job done. And I think that's part of the Part of the concern here from Bears fans, it's like, well, too many of the offensive linemen on this team feel like they get the job done. Like, none of them are so terrible they need to be immediately replaced, but few of them are so good that you don't consider replacing them. And I think you consider replacing Charles Leno, but you look at the rest of the offensive line, and I think you see more pertinent holes that need to be filled. One of them might be at right tackle. Bobby Massey is still under contract, for 2021, but very clearly a strong candidate to be released for salary cap purposes and also just a desire to upgrade at right tackle. He is the lesser of the two Bears tackles, and now he's coming off back-to-back injured seasons. He only played seven games this past year. 2019, he missed, I think, six or so in there. I think he played 10 games that year. So, you know, there's now durability questions long-term, and he's supposed to make, I think, like $9 million next year. They could save $6.5 million just by releasing him. That seems fairly likely at this point, but again, they may have other priorities on the offensive line and other priorities with their financing. Because like Charles Leno, I think we know what Bobby Massey is and what he isn't at this point. Again, I think Massey is in a similar tier of like a mostly average right tackle, but I think he dips to below average starting right tackle a little bit more than he does show above average if we're kind of keeping in these similar ranges he's still a starting caliber right tackle but just a little bit lower on the the ranks of of 1 to 32 but the problem is you know like i think i look back at his season i give him a c grade and that's that's fine he was an you know he was bobby massey that's what bobby massey is he kind of meets expectations even if they're a little bit of a lower expectation but the problem is that the grass isn't always greener, right? You're not guaranteed an instant upgrade if you release him, especially with the salary cap space potentially limited this offseason. But, you know, if if you're going to draft the right tackle, for example, that rookie might not be ready to be Bobby Massey level in year one. Or if you start looking to other outside free agents, it's never a guarantee that those are going to pan out. I, I think it's easier to upgrade from Bobby Massey than Charles Leno, and that may be the smart strategy. I would definitely strongly consider that, and if I'm general manager, that's probably one of the moves uh, I would do. I mean, I, I'd need to look a little bit more closely at all of my different replacement options, but it would seem likely that that seems to be a place the Bears can most easily upgrade given the financial savings and the durability concerns and just the inconsistency that we have seen from Bobby Massey. But 
sometimes you don't know what you got till it's gone. And Massey can be the devil you know as opposed to the devil you don't know. If you start having to skimp elsewhere on the offensive line and have to bring in a veteran minimum type guy to compete at right tackle, you know, would you rather have the Jermaine Effetti type competition at right tackle for a lot cheaper or live with what you know given the deficiencies of Bobby Massey? I think that's the interesting dynamic at right tackle, and it's exacerbated by some of the dynamics on the interior. We'll look at the future of Jermaine Effetti and some of the other young Bears players all in the mix next on Locked On Bears. This Bears offensive line was constantly swapping in parts throughout the season, and nobody knows more about swapping parts than our friends at rockauto.com. They're an online auto parts store that's been serving customers online for over 20 years with everything you can possibly need for your vehicle from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. I just love how not only deep their catalog is, but it's so easy to navigate. You just enter in your car's make and model, and then you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, and then sort between the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. And those prices are particularly important because they're the same for everybody. There's not different price tiers for the professionals and the do-it-yourselfers. So don't spend up to twice as much somewhere else for the same parts. Go to rockauto.com right now and see everything they have available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. The Bears went into 2020 with the plan at right guard to be that open competition between Jermaine Effetti and Rashad Coward, and I guess whoever else, you know, Alex Bars or whoever they wanted to get in that mix. I think at the time we all had some concerns, right? That that, that looked like a recipe for. I don't want to say a recipe for disaster, but a recipe for inconsistency at that spot. And as it turned out, that the players themselves, in terms of if Fetty wasn't necessarily the issue, but they obviously had some inconsistency with some of those guys and at that position, a little bit more so out of their concern. But like that's what I fear with this Bears offensive line this offseason is I'd like to not go into 2021 with like an open competition for a starting offensive line spot and kind of say, fingers crossed, one of them should be good, right? We'll hope that one of them can be a starting caliber player. And as it turned out, Jermaine Effetti, I think, exceeded my expectations. I thought they were, I mean, I had low expectations. He's been a guy that was really inconsistent in Seattle, a penalty machine, a borderline starter type player, and was seemed to be out of position at right tackle, but was never quite as consistent as you would have wanted at guard and you know he's a former first round pick and kind of a little a bust at that point and so coming to Chicago it was kind of like well he looks like he's going to be your weak link on the offensive line and given all the injuries that they had I I don't know that he ever was I think if the line had been fully healthy all season you could have started to had that conversation but he ended up being a little bit more of a steadying force than I would have thought. And I, I end up giving that about a C plus in terms of where expectations were and where we ultimately saw he him perform. Because he was half right tackle, half right guard. And I think moving him to right tackle didn't make him better 
or even, I guess, worse, but it made the whole offensive line better because it helped them get their five best players on the field. Like, I think at this point, if Eddie's career is going to be defined right now as this serviceable, fill-in, cheap offensive lineman. Like, like he's not a guy who plays well enough to pay that big contract, but he's that guy that you bring in as a borderline backup, borderline starter, a guy you can start in a pinch, and if he is truly your worst offensive lineman, then you're probably in a pretty decent spot, but you'd always like to do better than Jermaine Effetti as having to be one of your starting players. Like, I think he is a starting caliber NFL offensive lineman, but again, in this below average starter. You know, he's much closer to the 32nd best starting offensive lineman for his position as opposed to the 16th best. But you can live with that in the right situation. The Bears do not have a good enough offensive line right now to where you can live with him and the rest of the consistency that they had up front, but he's definitely a guy I would bring back cheap if he, you know, if he's going to take another close to veteran minimum deal, another one-year type situation, absolutely. But if it's, you know, he's going to be looking to start somewhere, first and foremost. And he's, of course, going to be looking for the most amount of money he can possibly get. So if another team wants to pay him more, absolutely let him go. Good luck. Best of luck to you, Jermaine, and appreciate your time here in Chicago. But if he would come back cheap and be a potential swing backup with some versatility and maybe ends up plugging and playing and starting or, or you let him compete again, for a spot, but you kind of upgrade elsewhere. You know, I, th- I think you can live with that. I don't think you can live with letting him compete with Rashad Coward again at that right guard spot. I think we kind of, I don't want to say that like he's destined to be a bad offensive lineman his whole career, but I think we know a little bit more of what he is and what he isn't at this point. And he is still inexperienced compared to all of the rest of the NFL offensive linemen. He was a converted defensive lineman in college, had never played this side of the ball in the trenches at any level until he came to the Bears in 2017. So you know, it's been it's been four years, which is not a small number of years, but there is a certain amount of leeway he deserves, but that leeway is also sort of the reason why you don't start him, right? There's a reason why he didn't win the starting spot and why he didn't seem to belong on the field this season. I mean, I, I, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, he was thrown into some different positions on the fly. It was a really tough spot to be. But PU, he stunk. I mean, that was just, it was just bad. I mean, it, it's, it was F-level offensive line play across the board. And, you know, I, again, I, wa- I want to cut him some slack given all of the different circumstances and the COVID and not practicing and new positions that he's never played before, right? I mean, I have nothing against the guy personally. It was just bad offensive line play and he doesn't belong in any starting competitions anywhere he is a free agent this offseason would I consider bringing him back as a developmental backup player sure I mean the Bears seem to have liked enough out of him and he does know the system I wouldn't want him to see the field if I have any control over it in 2021 but that's not to say he doesn't belong in the NFL and can't still become a better offensive lineman down the stretch in a, in a better situation with better circumstances and more experience under his belt. I think I'd much rather rely on a guy like Alex Bars as my versatile backup heading into 2021. He is still under contract. And he too, like Rashad Coward, thrown in at center. Thrown, I mean, Coward didn't have to play center, but thrown in at all these different positions. Bars ended up playing tackle, guard, and center this season. A really tough ask 
for any player, let alone a former undrafted free agent who had very little NFL experience under his belt. We saw more flashes from Bars than we did from Rashad Coward, but I think we saw enough from Bars. It was still a small sample size, but I think we saw close to enough from Alex Bars this season to know that he's not ready to be a starting caliber player. You know, he, he actually played about 600 snaps this season across 12 games, more than James Daniels and Rashad Coward combined, essentially. I think as I look through, like, Bears offensive linemen with the most snaps this season, Alex Bars comes in fourth. It was Ifedi, Leno, Whitehair, and then Bars. After that, it was Mustafer and Massey and some of the other injured guys and guys that rotated in. But Bars was a frequent face on this offensive line this season, but it's still a relatively small sample size overall. And I think we know, you know, he's, he was a D level offensive lineman this past year, a young guy that can still get better, uh, a backup with some versatility, can play multiple positions, fill some of those needs and give you some valuable depth there and hope that he can become a little bit better down the line. But right now, not a guy I want to have to rely on for any extended period of time. It's funny how he was kind of the undrafted free agent prize a couple of years ago out of Notre Dame. Well, Sam Mustafer was kind of the one that followed along with him in Chicago. And yet, as it turns out, Mustafer was the better of the two so far. And it feels like everyone's ready to just hand Mustafer a starting job next year and move forward with him as a regular member of this Bears offensive line. And I'm not so sure. We'll look at some of the interesting dynamics on the Bears' interior offensive line next on Locked On Bears. The end of the football season has not brought on the end of football betting at betonline.ag. Whenever there's a big transaction looming, they always get fresh odds up, including J.J. Watt's next team that now has the Cleveland Browns moving ahead to the far and wide favorite for landing spot, followed by the Packers, Steelers, and Bills. Chicago Bears not even in the field of what it looks to be at least 16 teams with odds available. They also have NFL futures bets on next year's championships, division champions, and so much more. College football action with FCS football you can get your bets on, or basketball, baseball, golf, hockey, soccer, tennis, and so much more. It's the reason why betonline.ag is the number one place we trust. Sign up today for a free account and enter our promo code LOCKED ON to receive your free 50% welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. I'm really fascinated by the different perceptions of the interior of this Bears offensive line because I think we have a tendency for people that don't know offensive line play all that well to form an opinion of a player coming out of the draft and also just where they were drafted and kind of stick with that as the overarching feeling on a player sort of regardless of how they perform unless it's immediately obvious just how bad they are and I do not consider myself an offensive line expert by any means I think I know a decent amount I think I can sit down and and tell when offensive line play is good or bad, but there's a lot of intricacies to it and a lot of scheme decisions and protection nuances that sometimes go a little bit above my head. So I preface that to say I'm curious how the feeling about Sam Mustafer, along with James Daniels and Cody Whitehair kind of plays out here and how the Bears 
really feel about those guys. Because, like, James Daniels, for example, injured after, like, four, like four, four and a half games. I think he got hurt, like, halfway through that fifth game. Injured this season, and so now we're three years in, and I still don't think we know for sure whether James Daniels is really good. And, I mean, that's, that's a problem three years in. To, I mean, we know James Daniels is not bad, but, you know, as I kind of look back at his career so far, rookie season, some inconsistency there. They were slow bringing him along, rotating him in at guard and, and center, and there was the whole Eric Cush back and forth, and eventually he kind of settled into a role late in that season, but some ups and downs that you would expect out of a rookie season. Then in 2019, a little bit of a, a sophomore wall, some some slumping in there, and again, switching in between guard and center and trying to figure out where these different players fall. It felt like some coaching issues in terms of not being able to identify the best position for all of their talent. And then even this year in 2020, I didn't think he had a great start to the season. It was not enough to grade him. I, I give him an incomplete grade for 2020. Four and a half games, I mean, just, just not enough to really judge a player compared to other seasons in his career. But like, I still don't know if James Daniels is all that good. I, I, you know, I think he's a starting caliber offensive lineman, but the, this is his last year of his contract. 2021 is the final year of his rookie deal, and that's typically when you would hand out a Cody Whitehair-level contract extension. And, you know, Cody Whitehair, who we'll get to in a moment, he's he's paid like a top-10 center in the NFL, and I'm not ready to pay James Daniels that kind of money. I, mean, I don't know if he's that good. We've seen flashes, and we've seen a lot of inconsistency too, and it's not necessarily his fault completely. Again, slow kind on the rookie season, I and mean, I, I blame some coaching in there, but I think there's, you know, there's some necessary patience with young offensive linemen, and then the injury this year, not his fault either, but we just don't know, and I, I don't know if James Daniels is a long-term part of my offensive line. He may be very good, and he may be ready to have a really strong 2021 season, stay healthy, and really reaffirm why the Bears took him in the second round, but it was like, at first, he was playing guard, and then everyone's was saying, well, say, well, James Daniels is a better fit at center. He's more natural at center. And I, I still have not heard a clear and strong explanation as to what that actually means. It's just something that's easy to say because he played center well in college. And then he moved back to center in 2019 and wasn't phenomenal at center. And so, of course, they move Cody White here back to center here to start this season and move James Daniels back to left guard. So we don't know what position James Daniels is going to be great at, and we don't know whether he's going to be great or if he's just going to be good. And then how much do you pay that player when you haven't really seen that up to this point? So I'm really curious, but I think this is one of the underlying storylines of this offseason that no one's talking about is that 2021 is going to be huge for James Daniels. It's, it's going to make or break what his career is going to be. Is he just going to be an average guy, or is he going to be a cornerstone foundational piece of your offensive line? We're obviously not giving up on him, but I'm not ready to hand him that long-term expensive contract either until he proves to me just how good he can be. Same kind of feeling with Sam Mustafer and the starting center job. right? I think there's this expectation of like, oh, well, Mustafer played pretty well last season, So, and with Cody Whitehair, not playing well at center and playing a lot better at guard. Again, we'll, we'll get to that. Well, my, okay, make Sam Mustafa your starting center and play Daniels and Whitehair at guard, and boom, you've solved the interior of your offensive line, and you're good to go. And now you can focus all your energy on maybe upgrading right tackle and Bobby Massey or, or I guess, left tackle at Charles Leno if that's your prerogative. But I don't know that I'm ready to just say, all right, Mustafa passed 
the test and I'm, I'm ready to go all in on that uh, on my interior offensive line. He obviously exceeded expectations, but he was a first-year player. I think his second year in the league, but a first-year for snaps on an NFL field this season. It's kind of low expectations. When he came in, you know, he, he was like the third one off the bench. They had gone with Rashad Coward and Alex Bars in different roles first, and they said, I oh, will give Sam a try. They were clearly not super confident in him compared to some of his teammates. And it was a difficult spot, and, and he did a pretty good job. I mean, all things considered, he hung in there. I, I give him about a B- minus in terms of exceeding those expectations, albeit it's a different context than, say, the B- minus that I would give to Charles Leno because they have very different context around where they are in their careers and, and what we expected from them. But it was eight games from Sam Mustafer, and not all eight of those games were great. There were some real inconsistencies there. It was rookie inconsistencies, those ups and downs. I mean, Mustafer was not as good of an offensive lineman as Charles Leno or these other Bears players, right? He was, but it was a B minus in terms of what you got versus what you thought you were going to get. And so I'm, I'm not ready to make Sam Mustafer my starting center. I, I let him compete with, you know, bring in a veteran to try and compete like you did with Effetti at right guard last season. I could feel a lot better about that, but the point is to upgrade your offensive line and it feels like you're settling if you just say oh Mustafa was pretty good last year so let's roll with it because we don't know how good he is we don't know if he can be as good again and now that second year with teams having some tape on him and finding different ways to attack him with the inconsistencies we already saw I, I just have some doubt there in terms of really wanting to upgrade the offensive line because it's going to be such a big priority regardless of who is at quarterback. So if I can get a bona fide better center, or if I'm going to put James Daniels at center and get a better guard, if I can upgrade that interior above Sam Mustafer, I would absolutely do it. And I would be tempted to upgrade there before upgrading at right tackle. I mean, again, look at your options, but I would much rather, you know, sign a free agent guard or center and then maybe draft a tackle and give yourself some different options there and try and upgrade both positions, but not necessarily just jettison Bobby Massey and make that the bigger hole and say, all right, we're going to invest in right tackle and just leave Sam Mustafer at center because he's good enough. The Bears have tried, have gone with good enough for far too long on the offensive line, and that's why we've seen so much of this inconsistency for the past oh, I don't know, 20 years? <laughs> I mean, I was going to say the past few years, and then I was like, well, no, that extends back well through the Lovey Smith era. I mean, it's been a long time of inconsistent offensive line, and even the guys that you think are good aren't always good. I mean, we saw with Cody Whitehair this year at center. He was awful. He was a big reason for how bad this Bears offensive line was during that losing streak. He did not look like a starting caliber center for a stretch there, and I wonder if he wasn't healthy, or if there was something else going on in his life, but he was a bad center. I'd give him a, a D grade for what he was able to do at center, but then they move him to left guard after the bye week, and something clicks, whatever it was, and he was great. He was a great guard this past season. You know, I think the quality of opponent certainly helped as he played some lesser defensive lines, but he was just, he seemed to have a different attitude, a different just drive to move guys off the line of scrimmage and settle down a little bit in terms of pass protection and staying a little bit more sure. I wonder if having Charles Leno there to his left really helped. I think those two both benefited from that move. They both got better from having worked next to each other. And that's kind of the spot I'd like to keep Cody Whitehair at moving forward. But at the same time, this is a guy that is paid as the top 10 center. I think he's the eighth highest paid center in the NFL entering last season. 
And if you translate it over to guard money, it's like top 12 or whatever. But he needs to play like a top 10 offensive lineman a little bit more consistently. He did in the second half of the season at guard. Absolutely played like a high-quality guard, and that's the Cody Whitehair you need. And we've seen that earlier in his career. But 2019, obviously a down year. 2020 started very down for about the first half of the season. And some of that inconsistency there is why the Bears' offensive line has not been good enough. It's like between... James Daniels and Cody Whitehair, they're two guys that everyone in Chicago likes and thinks they're an important part of this Bears offensive line, and they are important, but they're not always good. And But you're not ready to ditch either one of them to upgrade right away from either one of them either. So you're kind of left like they need to play better because you can't just get rid of them because they aren't worth just getting rid of, but they haven't been playing consistently as good as they need to with the exception of white hair at guard at the end of the season so there are there's just like a lot going on here with the offensive line and why you can't just say all right ditch your offensive tackles replace both of them and get a new center and you, you just can't do all of that so if I'm the Bears I'm looking at okay who am, who's going to start next to Daniels and white hair on the interior that's probably priority number one and then if, if I can fill that and still feel like I have the room to release Bobby Massey and upgrade right tackle as well then I'm moving to that and trying to make that change as well. But I'm I'm cautious that they might not have the full financial wherewithal and draft wherewithal to fill those needs properly and still improve the rest of the roster everywhere else. And, you know, if that includes trading draft picks for a quarterback that's going to cost a lot of money and take a lot of your salary cap space too, it all limits your ability to upgrade the rest of the team. I still think offensive line needs to be one of the top priorities this offseason after quarterback and after Allen Robinson. I guess I'll kind of put him in his own category, but it's going to take some slick work from Ryan Pace, but it needs to be a priority. Whatever they end up doing up front, you can make sure that we'll break it all down for you right here five days a week on the Locked On Bears podcast. So make sure that you subscribe to keep up with all of our daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. In the coming days, we'll keep looking around at the different Bears quarterback options until they actually make a quarterback decision, and then we'll have all that for you. But offseason is a time of change. It's an exciting time, even though we don't have any Bears football on TV on the weekends. I appreciate those of you following along and riding it out with us throughout this offseason because we'll get through these long football this month's together and bear down.